Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Overlap. My name is Elias Techley, and I'm back here again with my boy, Rion. We're talking some La Liga. We're talking some Premier League. We had a wild weekend, but we actually both got to see each other this past weekend, which was dope. So, Rion, how you been, man? I haven't seen you in a couple days, but uh, I know you're probably at home working. Well, I don't know about working hard, but you're working. <laughs> Definitely not working hard, that's for sure. Um, but no, yeah, we got to see each other. Um Obviously, we saw each other on Friday, last Friday when we did when we did our uh, Champions League review, and then uh, we had dinner on on uh, Saturday night, which was nice. It was Ellie's his birth? Well, well, his birthday was last Wednesday, but his belated birthday dinner. But um, what did you end <laughs> up doing after? What did you end up doing after dinner? Because I did not see you afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, after dinner, um, went to a friend's housewarming. Uh, which is really fun. I uh, was going to go out with, with a couple of friends, but I had gone out the night before for a very long time. Um, so I decided to call it a night, but it was great seeing everyone at that dinner. Um, shout out to anyone that's listening that came. Um, but it was awesome to see uh, see everyone in the city, and, uh, and we had a great time. Plus, if you are not on this app called Seated, uh, which I used to book the reservation, I got like 25% cashback rewards on like any purchase I want to use. And so I bought a pair of free Lulu joggers um, because of that. So <laughs> I would highly recommend that app. Wow, what a plug! Yeah, Elliot's basically <laughs> plugging plugging that he uh, profited off of his friends. That's nice. Oh uh, well, well, I profited <laughs> off of my uh, my own birth. <laughs> so thank you, mom. <laughs> but anyway, we have uh, we have some soccer to discuss, some football. Um, Let's let's start off with La Liga. It looks like Rian wanted to change it up a little bit in our notes today, but um, La Liga is going to be the start for this week. And uh, in the same way that Rian ranted about the U.S. men's national team last week, I think I might just have to do the same about Barcelona. So Rian, uh, I, I know I, I know I said three minutes for your rant. Hold me to three minutes this time. I'm going to keep it under three minutes. All right. I will do what I can. All right, perfect. <sighs> Ernesto Valverde needed to go six months ago. This team is shockingly poor away from home. And it's not anything to do with the fact that Messi's been injured this is pretty much this entire season. It has nothing to do with the fact that the front, lead, front three is not talented. It has everything to do with the fact that this coach cannot get the players to play well and it's a mixture of tactics a mixture of mentality it's everything in between but oh my god this performance was so bad and i was thinking back about you know what would be a i guess a reasonable comparison to how bad this performance was anfield doesn't even compare to this because we had one shot on goal, and that was after Messi had come on to try and quote-unquote save the day after returning from his calf injury, which makes zero sense because he's not fit, nowhere near match fit. He's not going to be able to do that much, regardless of how incredible a talent he is. So let's, let's think about this game logically, right? Granada is – they're not the most impressive team, uh, in my humble opinion. Um, so Griezmann starts the, the game on the left where he – is playing out of position. I know he played there at Real Sociedad, but that's not his natural position now. So Suarez then takes up the middle and well, 
I, beyond that, I really don't know what happened because Sergio Roberto starting in midfield didn't work. Um, why? Because he's too direct and can't link up very well with the rest of the midfield. Positioning was off. I don't even know where to start with that. Uh, Griezmann is not to blame. I know a lot of people would probably start saying, oh, is this the signing that was worth it? But the question from the start here was, well, where is he going to fit into the team? And my answer, I think I, I said this to you, Rion, like a couple of weeks ago, was that, well, naturally he's going to slot into Suarez's position. But here we are, what, five match days into the season, and he's he's not taking up that position, which he should be. I'm certainly a proponent of putting Suarez on the bench at least for like a game or two because he is not match fit and he genuinely looks like he's gained like 30 pounds. It's miraculous the way that that man eats. But listen, Junior Firpo also our left back filling in for Alba after he got injured midweek um, at Dortmund had a, a shocking game. Um, he was subbed off after 45 minutes. I don't think that that was necessarily fair. It was really his first major start. Um, and so I, I don't know. Yeah, he didn't have a great 45 minutes, but it's it's a little harsh to sub him off, off to, after that amount of time and then put Nelson Semedo, who's not even a left back on that side, who continued to play poorly over on that side. Um, Arturo Vidal comes on. <sighs> was that my three minutes? Yeah, time is up for you, buddy. Basically, I'll wrap it up and just say this performance was <laughs> shockingly bad. I have nothing else to say. And there is a lot this team needs to do to get back into shape. And I, I don't know if it was preseason, if it's – I don't know what it is, but they're not playing well at all, especially away from home. I, I, I've done my rant. I will open up to any questions or comments at this time. No, um, no, no that was fantastic to listen to, to be honest. <laughs> um, but uh, – I mean, I I don't know what I feel like a broken record with the Griezmann stuff. Um, Like, I honestly can't. He's obviously not being played in the right position. He's obviously not being played. They're not asking him to do things that he is comfortable doing. Um, His stats from this game are just (laughs) for for a guy that they went in paid what 120 million euros yep. for yep. right um he in this game he has zero key passes he has one shot it's not on target and um he played all 90 minutes and had 45 touches oh just for God. comparison Messi Messi came on at the beginning of the second half and he had 48 touches and you know you'll think most people will think, all right, well, yeah, that's obvious. You know, Messi is the most important player on the team. Um, obviously, when he comes on, he's going to dominate the touches. Okay, if you want to make that argument, sure. Then move on to um, to Arturo Vidal. <laughs> he came on in the 61st minute and had just six touches less than, than um, Antoine Griezmann. And go even farther back in the team and you get to junior Firpo who got subbed off after 45 minutes and had 48 touches <laughs> and he, <laughs> he had more touches than Griezmann as well. So it's, it's really, it's super disappointing to see that he's not being played in a position that um, he obviously is 
comfortable with anymore. Um, like you said, he did play that Sociedad, but that was he was a much different player back then. That's when he was like just a, a very a very good. He was a winger. He was he was a legit right, winger right. at that time who cut inside, who would cut inside and shoot. He doesn't. He's not that player anymore. He's too. Uh, he's too well rounded, and 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 he's shown at both. Um, a European level and making it to a Champions League final with Atletico Madrid and um, and obviously excelling in La Liga. And also he's shown it at international level. He won a World Cup by playing right in behind a striker or next to uh, next to Giroud, in behind Giroud. And then with um, Atletico Madrid, with Diego Costa um, playing right next to him or behind him. Uh, and and also Torres and, and whoever they were throwing a striker, pretty much. Um this is just yeah, it's it's ridiculous that you pay this much money for someone and you're not trying to at least cater to his skills um and i guess just being messi's best friend has kept suarez <laughs> uh in the lineup and and just and like it just completely screwed over That's not even a joke. that um, might literally it, just be it at this point <laughs> i mean seriously and, and you know, I, I still would like to see them try the four-two-three-one. If you're gonna play, if you're gonna keep playing Suarez, then it makes no sense to have Griezmann out on the left, and you might as well at least try four-two-three-one. I, I just, I, I think for, I, I don't think it'll be necessarily more successful than what they've done so far. But I mean, if you're Valverde, you, you have to know that this is your last season. You, I mean, I mean you really, you, like, you there's have no, a contract for half the season. There's yeah, you know that that you're not coming back next season, and you know there's a very small chance that Barcelona um, fires you in the middle of the campaign. They, they, that's not something that they do. They don't. They very rarely um, sack managers in the middle of. Also, a season. they didn't sack him after so, Roma and Liverpool. They're not going to sack him now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. You know, he, he might as well start trying something different. I don't know what he he literally has nothing to lose. He has absolutely nothing to lose by that. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't already have the respect of of a lot of Barcelona fans for the the lack of sort of dynamism of of football that he's been playing the last few years. Obviously, he has the support of the board, but the port the board themselves are beyond incompetent when it comes to sporting projects because none of them are actual football people. Um, essentially, um, Pep Segura um, is the only one that is remotely close, and he's horrendous at his job. So, yeah, it's not it's not a pleasant place to be right now. And I mean, you talked about Griezmann, right? And and I agree with you to a degree. Obviously, he's not playing the position that he should be, but I have been impressed. I will say with his work rate, it's been incredible to see him playing as essentially a pseudo left wing back. Um, especially against Dortmund, we saw it, um, and a little bit at, at Granada too, because he was back there tracking back all the way, and he's just an absolute workhorse. So I have to give him major, major applause for that. Um, but yeah, but we knew, we knew that, we knew that, we knew that about him. Um, that that's something. Whatever he got that from playing in Atletico Madrid, but that's not that's not why you get Antoine Griezmann. You don't get it because he'll do he'll help out your left back who you right. had to end up subbing after 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. That's not his number one job. Um, I'm trying to find a silver lining in a weekend that was 
literally horrible between the Eagles losing the way they did and Barcelona went, uh, losing and Real Madrid winning. So that's why my silver lining in all of this because it was really that bad. I can't even point to an individual performance and say, you know what, wow, so-and-so had a really good game. Um, no, no one in this in this case had a good game. I'm very disappointed. Um, I, I really don't know what else to say, quite frankly. I think uh, in, a, in a way, I do think that Busquets um, is a little bit underrated in his role. That's kind of the other takeaway I had. Um, he is still, for me, the starting central defensive midfielder. Um, he still absolutely bosses that position. He's not nearly as physical as he was. Granted, he was never really physical in the first place. But he does he still offer a lot of quality on the ball. And that that has not gone away. Um, but this was absolutely a game to forget. For us, um, I hope the players and Valverde don't forget it because this is this is a wake up call. They're, after that game, they were in seventh place, literally seventh place, and we are they were five games into the season. Now, thankfully, after this most recent win at home against Villarreal, they're back up to fifth. But still, that this is. It almost feels like we're the Real Madrid of last season, where they were skirting around the Europa League Champions League line, especially early on as well. And and here we are still talking about them, or sorry, talking about Barcelona being on that line. So, yeah, I'm hugely disappointed. But uh, can we move on to the next game? At least it was a win. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, at least you, you got – so they got the win against Villarreal. Um, again, not – convincing no, whatsoever then, but, but they needed they needed three points um I, the most important was getting three points but still not convincing still look so meh attacking wise that look at this they're they're seventh in expected goals in in la liga Christ. which is absurd they're, they lead the league in goal in actual goals so so granted that's what matters but basically their expected goals to Actual goals they're scoring just shows that they're they're great finishers, but the actual chances that this team is creating is, you know, almost mid table. Yeah. <laughs> right. So no, that's the thing, right? Like the chances that they create are so poor. And it okay, I, I have to shout this out because this is very important. Um, during that game, um, for anyone that does not follow Muhammad Butt on Twitter. Um, his Twitter is great. He is a, uh, I believe he's an editor columnist at Squawqua, um, the, the footballing, um, agency over there. And he had a thread during this game that was so, it, it encapsulated this entire game. It was every chance that Barcelona could have created that he tweeted out. And it was every chance that Suarez stopped the play from progressing forward. And it was literally along the lines of Griezmann plays in a great ball into open space to Suarez, and he fluffs the chance because the ball was taken away from him. Why? Because the man can't run. He hasn't been able to run since 2016. He literally can't move. He can do anything well while not moving. You know what? I'll even point out to you. When he came on against Valencia two weeks ago, what did, how did he score that goal that he first scored? It was literally him in a standing position volleying or half-volleying the ball. And he did it beautifully. But if you ask this man to run at defenders, I close my eyes in hard because I know he's going to lose the ball. And as much as I love the man for what he's done for the team, I think it's really about that time that he needs to start <laughs> reconsidering his ability to run um, and get his fitness up to speed. It 
it is shocking how out of shape he looks and he's playing because Griezmann would not be doing the same thing in that in that position. He's much more technically gifted, can obviously run faster, he's more mobile, um, he can link up with the wingers very, very well, as we've seen over the years at Atletico. So, yeah, Suarez has been killing those chances, and I think that was a part of why we didn't see those uh, those chances being converted into shots on goal or, or goals, for that matter. Yeah, it's 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 a sad, it's a bit of a sad state right now, for being totally honest. For in terms of the, um, I don't know, in terms of just your confidence around this team, really. Um, not 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 you, obviously you, but I mean, a person who's watching this team would be very. Very surprised that 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 this is that this is Barcelona. Just the players all make sense. The names take the names off, and they look pretty just very disjointed. I think so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's another thing that needs to change, especially before Inter come to town. No, honestly, before they play Granada at the weekend, not even before Inter comes to town. That's that's Getafe. Getafe. Oh my God! Yes, not Granada. The Getafe. Yes, Um, when they go to Getafe. So. Um, and that is not a, an easy place to go either. And so, um, yeah, it, it sucks. And I do also want to shout out, um, two players during this game on Sufati when he came on for Suarez, did more than him in about three minutes on the ball, um, ran at people, got past people. The kid's really talented. The kid is really, really talented. So I think it's important that he, you know, Valverde nurtures him, allows him to play consistently. Um, and, Honestly, if I had to create a lineup with Messi being injured right now, especially at the weekend, it would be Griezmann up front in the 9-10 role, Dembele on the right wing, and Ansu Fati on the left wing. And I'm calling it a day. And honestly, that's my prediction for, for what happens um, this weekend. I do think Valverde grows a set and actually sits Suarez on the bench for this one and then maybe let them rest for Inter next week. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I, I still feel like the best version of this is probably Messi on the right. Well, it would be anything without Suarez starting, really, but um, <laughs> would be Messi on the right, Griezmann through the center, and then, sure, you throw Fatih on, on the left wing. Why not? I mean, Yeah, yeah. Honestly, the kid's been good, so I, I have no reason to doubt him yet. Um, I mean, his talent's there. And, and I do want to point out the second player, Santi Cazorla, man. This guy... From all the the injury turmoil that he he went through with his surgery and his his graft on his arm and everything, um, and his leg, it it's astounding. And I, I do want to mention how incredible his his comeback has been. He scored a great goal this weekend against Barcelona, um, and I'm I'm very very happy for him. And and he's doing very well for himself. So it's always good to see a player of his stature, especially um, come back and just boss it in La Liga. So proud of him um, and. One last thing I know before we wrap up this game. Um, I'm not sure if you saw this, but there was a tweet yesterday um, along the lines of, you know, Ronaldo is missing more games than um, than he has in the past. Messi's getting more injuries than he has ever had in his career, which is not entirely true. At the beginning of his career, he had a lot of injuries. But, um, uh, you know, the point still stands. Um, and, and it was kind of this realization that this era is very soon coming to an end. Like, the the era of two of these players that have been some of the best to ever play the game at the same exact time probably will never happen again. And, and it's, it's about to come to an end. Um, and while Messi is out injured again for, uh, it's going to be like 10 ish days. 
Um, it's just incredible to think that we've had these two players around for this long. And my goal going forward, honestly, just just cherish it. I mean, as much as I, I obviously say Messi's the best to ever live, um, it's been incredible to watch these players. So shout out to both of them. Yeah, absurd. You know, two you have two of probably the four best players to ever play in the sport yeah. playing at the same time, right around the same age, what two or three year difference between them. Um yeah, you probably only have really probably really like one, maybe two more seasons of them legitimately at at like a top five level yeah. at the same time, really. Um so yeah, you, you have to, whenever, especially for people who might have like an ESPN Plus or just getting a chance to watch Juventus in the Champions League at all, whenever you get a chance to watch either of these two players. Um, or, yeah, also if you have like B in sports or, you know, whatever. Um, just whenever you get a chance to watch either of these two players, you, you got You have to really like make an event out of it now because it's, Go like watch. I said, it's coming to an end. Exactly. It's coming to an end pretty much. For sure. So cherish it while you can. That's my note. Um, but let's move on, yeah? Yes. All right. On to Real Madrid, right? Yeah. Who went to Sevilla, went to Sevilla, a place they have not won since 2015. Yeah. And the response after, uh, after you know, after what we saw last uh, Wednesday, you know, to get pick up six points in the next two games um, at Sevilla, and then uh, was it at was it home to Osasuna or is it away? Uh, they're home, home, they to were home yeah. today against Osasuna, um, beating them 2 0 as well. Yeah, so to get six points in those two games, I mean, definitely take some heat off as a Dan. And, and all of a sudden you look up, and Real Madrid are topping the table with 14 points right now and yeah. <laughs> topping the points in terms of in terms of uh, actual points topping in terms of expected goals um topping in the second in expected points to atletico you know they're they've i mean for all the mess to still look up and be in this position has to be i mean extremely encouraging well obviously yeah. but but um confusing to confusing for the most part to watch too right um because they still don't look quite um cohesive in terms of attacking and and and, i mean although this game they did very well um obviously you see vinicius scoring up wonderful wonderful goal and then rodrigo getting his first goal for the club um you know they still feel not quite all the way there when you have um one when uh hazard and and barrel are in there but you know, to be playing basically, you know, just above average, what we what feels like just above average um, when you watch them and still be topping the table, still undefeated, them and and, um, and Bilbao, the only two teams that have not lost yet. I mean, they, they, it's, it's, it's really surprising, uh, <laughs> to be honest. This, I think this past week has let's put it into context, right? They lose three zero in Paris could have been a lot worse. Could win five, six easily. They come right back, go to Seville, a place they haven't won in years and beat Sevilla. Granted Sevilla are a team, you know, trying to reconstruct themselves. Um, their striker, Luke de Jong needs to step it up. Um, you know, we had a great season at PSV, but also great right now at Sevilla. Um, and they, but they go and they go and win 
and they do it semi-convincingly at the very least, which is a huge turnaround from four days prior. And then today, they beat Osasuna, a team that was undefeated in La Liga. Um, granted, they had, what, like, most of them have been ties. I think it's four ties. But a week later, they're top of the table, and no one's thinking about PSG anymore. That puts in perspective how reactionary this past week has been for Real Madrid. And the way they played in Paris should almost warrant uh, a reaction, especially out of Zidane. But the way he's turned around, I have to give him full credit for that. Um, Grinding out wins and getting three points is the most important thing that he could have done for this team, and especially doing with clean sheets. Um, I think the the game against Seville or Sevilla in Seville was probably I think it was Courtois' first clean sheet since like February, and we we haven't seen him keep a clean sheet obviously in so long that it almost felt unnatural for him to not let a goal in. Um, so, yeah, it, yeah, I mean it's it's impressive. <laughs> it's impressive to say the least that that Madrid were able to pull this off. Um, I do also want to shout out one player in particular, Kareem Benzema. Um, for really in the most underrated way, stepping up to the mantle and stepping up to the plate in the absence of Ronaldo since. He has actually been an extremely consistent striker the past year to year and a half. And I think that uh, given the point where a Real Madrid fans about two years ago wanted to just sell him off to Arsenal, um, he has been nothing but impressive. Um, and showed why he's he stuck around this team. So shout out Kareem Benzema. My bias is clearly not showing, so you can take that to the bank. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, all around impressive two results. You know, obviously winning in Seville um, is massive itself. But don't forget, Sevilla hadn't um, conceded any goals before that game in the season. So, um, so you know, scoring there to scoring there twice also also massive for for. Just what Real Madrid needed at that time, at you know after um, after that result in Paris. So exactly, exactly, and and during that, especially the first half in Seville, they did play well. James was working; he was running. Um, I thought there were a lot. There's a lot of good interplay um, and interchange in in that first half. Um, second half is when things started to come a little bit undone, um, but they maintained. They they got out of Seville with a 2-0 win and that's very very impressive uh, for any team to go to the Sanchez Pichuan and do that so shout out them um, and I hope they don't win the league obviously um, I don't think they will um, but it's obviously always great to be top of the league regardless of the match week that you're in so but they they do have um, a tough contest coming up uh, coming up this weekend <laughs> you uh, you want to mention it? Yes it's the Madrid derby baby um, definitely probably the biggest game of the season so far for in terms of uh la liga um this is the first matchup between any of the two of the three big teams so um you have coming into this the two teams that are leading in terms of points and expected points and um you know atletico madrid still still coming together still gelling trying to gel um saw a disappointing uh draw over the weekend um and they followed up by winning today 2-0 against Mallorca. Um, and again, that, that they, for the most part, they pretty much had control of it from the beginning. Um, you know, they were really pushing hard for that second goal, obviously get some, to get some space, to get some uh, breathing room from Mallorca. But, 
you know, impressive. They get Jean Felix gets on the score card again today. Diego Costa, that'll be good, especially you know because of their two front men. Um, but you know, this is this is a obviously always this derby is big, but you know to have these two teams be on top after six games is quite surprising coming into the season. Um, maybe not, maybe not so much Atletico being, being there, being in that first or second spot, but, you know, having Real Madrid be first and then Atletico, you know, just one point behind them. Um, that's should make for an exciting game. Um, it's a place that, uh, you know, they're at home, but Atletico hasn't beaten Real at home in the league since 2015, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, and their last win overall was in the Champions League in 2017 against against uh, Madrid um, in what was a semifinal, and they ended up losing the second leg there. Um, but you know, I guess going into this, like, what what is the narrative for, especially after the PSG result? What is the narrative for Real if they're able to go and get, you know, as <laughs> at least a draw that, you know, a positive performance draw or even all three points. I mean, despite all the noise around the team to somehow come out of the gate seven first seven games and not lose and possibly pick up um, three points at uh, the Metropolitano. I mean, what, what, is the, what is the narrative now? You know, what would the narrative be 10 days after that, after, um, uh, would it even be 10 days? Yeah, 10 days, 10 days yeah. after the, the PSG match. What is the narrative if, if we all are able to get a positive result here? I think the narrative is that they they would put PSG on the back burner, especially if they come out of this game playing well. Because, okay, going to Atletico Madrid um, and playing at the Wanda is, uh, again, not an easy fixture for any team. So do I think they're going to come out of this game with a win? No, I think it's actually going to end up being like a 2-2 draw, um, especially because Real Madrid – the defense uh, kind of shaky. We sh- saw it in the last three games, even though you know they were they managed to keep a clean sheet in the last two. Um, Atletico, have, their firing power hasn't been firing on all cylinders, um, and t- and on top of that, Morata got a red card um, in their game today, um, and so again, it's it's going to be I think difficult for either team to sort of find a breakthrough in this. The edge that I can see them gaining out here, um, they being Real Madrid, is maybe on wing play with Vinicius just beating, you know, Atletico's fullbacks for pace or Gareth Bale, who I do, do think has a lot of technical quality, um, being able to to circumvent the the wingers, especially how high that Cholo has them pressed up this season, but. I think the alternative, um, Atletico's midfield um, being very, very um, strong, I think they are gelling well together. I think that will totally outman Real Madrid's midfield, um, regardless of who it is, because I don't think any of their players have stepped up to the mantle outside of maybe James. Um, And so I think this will likely go Atletico's way in terms of the passage of play. But I do think this could very well be like a 2-2 draw. Okay, yeah, I I think this will be a massive. This will be, I mean, for I expect. Are we expecting Trippier to start? Probably, right? I'm, yeah, um, I'm expecting him to start. I, he's he's yeah. been relatively strong in the season. Massive, massive test for him. I mean, <laughs> you know, he, he's 
great. He's played. He played in the Premier League and play, obviously played in Champions League final and stuff too. And these are always his toughest spots, you know, because he's not necessarily very quick and he has some trouble defending. So um, I, I'm very interested to see if he starts and he's going to be under a huge microscope in this game. In the same sense, um, this will this will be big for uh, Felix as well because Simeone is going to ask him to. Granted, he asked him to do a lot anyway in terms of um, tracking back and and um, helping out with defending. But he's gonna he's gonna need him a lot in this game. Um, you, you pretty much know you know that you'll get it from Costa, um, and you know you'll get from from Saul and Vitolo. And if he starts Vitolo, um, big if yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah, like like you said the the no, the. The wing, the wing area um, for Madrid is gonna for Atletico will be severely tested, and they're gonna need to be. And I, I don't, I don't have any doubt that that Simeone will be able to have them ready for this um, mentally, physically, in every sense. But that's gonna be where the test is gonna be. The wings, that's they're gonna have. He's gonna have Hazard and Bale coming at them, so um, they're gonna need they're gonna need uh, Felix, especially to, to be able to drop back and. And um, be very committed to the defensive side of this game. So I, I yeah. think I think I'm going to go with I'm going to go with a one nil for Atletico because, like you said, not their uh, their attacking stuff is not quite a finished product yet. But even with the fact that we feel that they haven't been quite as good um, in terms of. Uh, defensively, they, they've definitely shown the last couple games um, that they're getting it together a bit, and they're and they're leading La Liga in terms of, ex- or sorry, third in La Liga in terms of expected goals against. So, you know, just behind um, Sevilla and Bilbao, so their defense is still solid enough. They're still a very compact and disciplined team defensively, and I think with Madrid still not quite being where they want to be in terms of um, attacking cohesiveness. I, I think that they can get out of this with, with a, uh, with a one nil win. Honestly. That is not a bad shout. I can absolutely see that as well. And quite honestly, I don't know who to support in the Madrid Derby every, every time it comes around. Um, but I'm going to go with a two, two draw um, and, and see what happens with the exception that I would not be surprised if Atletico did win um somehow late goal or something like that um because i do think they are still the better side overall um but it will be absolutely a cracking game i will certainly be watching it um this saturday um and i know rion will be as well so with that we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with some premier league recap featuring a very tough game for rion's blues and just an absurd game for manchester city All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with some more Premier League content. And uh, this weekend wasn't too kind to uh, to Rion's Blues. Uh, they'd lost out to Liverpool at home 2-1. But honestly, if if I'm being very objective, I think that Chelsea didn't play all that bad. I know. Well, actually, you know what, Rion, I don't know what you might think about this. I want to hear your thoughts. How do you think it went? So I think... Honestly, I think this is one of those very, very rare games where 
both sets of fans have a very good reason to be positive about uh well obvious about the result and performances really um obviously on the let's just start on the liverpool side liverpool side they played probably their worst match of the season uh, they they were pretty rickety you, at the back napoli in this um I mean, well, the things I actually think they played better against Napoli than they did um, home to to against Chelsea. I, I think the Napoli game could have easily been a draw, um, and they had chances to score in that game. Um, so I, maybe so. I, I, let's just I guess I'll keep with Premier League, but but I think arguably this was their worst performance of the season so far. Yet they got three points away to a top six rival. So Liverpool fans should be very, very um, encouraged by that because, you know, it's it's a game that you say definitely two years ago they would not have won, ended up winning that game. Um, with with the with what happened during the, especially during the last half hour when um, they were really on the back foot and just kind of holding on. Um, and then last year, you would probably have expected that to be a draw. It was a draw last season to Chelsea. They they barely got out of there with a point um, on a just unbelievable goal from uh, from Sturridge in the last minute last season. Um, then for the Chelsea side, you know they're unable to win at home again, which is disappointing. Um, they finally did win at home today in the in the uh, in the League Cup. Um, getting their first win uh, in Lampard's era against, or sorry, home to uh, Grimsby Town. But aside from that, not being able to win that home again, they might have put in their best performance of the season considering the opposition. Like, granted, they they won for five uh, two to Wolves, but I mean they were playing the European champions at home and. You know, the expected goals put uh, Liverpool at 1.03 and Chelsea at 1.23. So, you know, with that, you'd expect probably a draw. And they quite, they really could have gotten a draw in the end. I mean, so let's start. I mean, beginning 20, 25 minutes, I mean, Chelsea has a, (laughs) naturally, do we go two straight games where Chelsea has a, a VAR decision come into <laughs> come into effect? Yeah, um, you must not be good about I, that. I mean, <laughs> I mean the Valencia one. My goodness, of, of course, of course, the one time that that shitty handball thing does go for um, in their favor, they they can't con- uh, they can't convert the penalty from it, and then in this one, um, you know. I mean, he's, uh, Mason Mount's offside. He is offside, understood. Um, I guess the only question that there could be is that, you know, we don't score for another, like, 30 seconds after that. So it feels like at some point Liverpool should be able to clear the ball. But, <laughs> um, but you yeah, know, whatever. I'm not really, not really going to argue that one too much. But even so, throughout the first half, I thought they were um, – I thought they were – more or less toe to toe, at least until the first goal. I mean, the first goal, Alexander goal. That's just quality. That's just pure quality, right there. Um, There's nothing you can do about that, that. Like that was pure quality. The execution of the free kick. You know, Salah, Salah, who's left footed, goes up to what you think is him trying to take a shot, but he actually backheels it to Trent Alexander Arnold, who puts it perfectly in the in the top in the upper ninety. So you, you can't um, really. F- you can't fault too much on that. There's not much you can do in terms of that. Um, and then the second goal, Premier goal is the, is 
the bad execution of the zone defending again. And, you know, I'm not someone who I don't really dislike zone defending. Uh, I, I do prefer the man, the man marking, but I understand zone defending and what happened on that play is not how zone defending is supposed to work. You have the four people on the six, but they're still supposed to attack the ball. <laughs> like you're not, it doesn't mean that you just stand there. It, like it doesn't mean there's that, a defending um, in the part of it that's included. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's the whole, like still attacking the ball. You being there, does it just, it's not just to occupy space. You're supposed to, Oh, granted it is occupy space, but you're occupying space. Correctly. So you can, cause the ball is most likely going to come in that area. And on that play, for God knows why the ball's coming in and Alon- and Marcus Alonso, who's one of the four guys on the six is as soon as the ball played, he takes a couple steps back towards the goal for, for whatever reason. He's moving away from his area. And so, and, and for me, like a lot of times the, the faults with the zone defending is that people get a run at you and stuff, um, which again can be mitigated by, the guys who are not on the uh, six yard on the six yard line or six yard box, um, the guys outside of that that area are supposed to be basically blocking people off as they try to run in there. But on this in this case, Firmino takes maybe like two steps. He doesn't actually really get a run at it. He just he just basically goes into the area that Alonso was supposed to just stay and try to head the ball away from. So so it's it's it was individual mistakes for sure for the two goals. And then after that, you know, I thought the the defense played really well, especially because the first fifteen minutes you have uh, Christensen and Emerson go off with injuries. So to have to switch in your um, two of your back four, you know, that's really difficult to do. 20 minutes into a game. Um, but I think outside of that, they, I thought they really neutralized um, Mane and and uh, Salah very, very well. And granted, Firmino did have his goal. They didn't allow them to play um, to play those combination plays. They didn't allow them to get the ball into Firmino's feet. And as we always see, as soon as the ball goes into his feet, you have Mane and Salah um, running right off him. And, and they didn't allow balls into his feet much. And um, I have to credit Tamori, he was fantastic against uh, Salah, especially. Um, he was he had the pace to keep up with him and um, the strength to not let him get by him. So he was great. He's he's obviously gonna. I think he's one of the first names on the team sheet now. Um, uh, so outside of that, you know, second half. Second half started, they easily could have gone down three 0 I thought Liverpool came out very strong the first ten minutes, like they were trying to finish the game off and save for a couple really really good saves from keppa um kept them in it and then the last half hour they were all over liverpool and, and they played really well and they were really really disrupting that right side of um of liverpool which you know is the place where we still talk about is really their only defensive frailty is is um alexander arnold's yeah. side and they really kind of exploited that in the second half and you know 80th minute um you get a great you get a great ball into uh mount from from alonzo um and he just puts the ball and puts the ball over the bar it's not an easy finish on his weak foot a bounce and uh volley or half volley there so you know all in all it they, they probably deserved to get a draw out of that game but you know, I'm really, really excited by the um, by the performance, really.
Ladies and gentlemen, sorry about that brief interruption. Uh, Rion just uh, unplugged his modem, uh, of course, classic. Um, and so that led to a brief technical difficulty. But, uh, <laughs> no, we're no, back to him ranting about Mark Solonzo. Um, I was just so, saying, you Rion, know, please continue. Past the past the free kick, they they were very good in the last half hour and and um, attacking Alexander Arnold's side, which was partially you know due to Marcus Alonso. So he has to get credit for that last half hour. But overall, um, really good, really good. Um, I think last twenty five to thirty minutes for Chelsea. And if you're a fan of the team, I think I think you have to be feeling pretty positive about that. I I feel like. Granted, the week of results, when you look from the Wolves to Liverpool, um, it's one win and two losses, which on paper doesn't look great. But their actual performance, performances at least in um, midweek against Valencia and then against Liverpool were, pro- were you know, uh, more positive than the result would say. And I'm still feeling, I'm still feeling very good about this team. I'm feeling better and better. I think they're, I think they're starting to. Um, to figure it out a little bit. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I feel like they've been very unlucky with their performances in general um, because they have actually been decent performances. And sometimes it hits and sometimes they end up doing really well, um, like we saw about a week ago. Um, but, yeah, it, it's – I don't know. It, it's it's almost this ability to, to not fully play out in 90 minutes um, or something along those lines. But – I, I don't know. I think over time we will see this Chelsea side get more, excuse me, um, clinical, I think is the word, um, and dominant, I think, as well um, is another way of putting it. And so I that's, that's again, why I have Chelsea in my top six. Um, otherwise, I think a lot of people would have them outside. But looking you know at a higher level in general here, yeah, I I'm still have very high hopes for this team because they have the talent there. Um, and I'm glad that the youth on top of that are, are shining through Lampard's system um, because it's always good to see homegrown, legitimate homegrown. Or when I say homegrown, like I mean people that came into the club when they were not even teenagers and being built up and, and progressed forward. Not like a Pogba like came from United. That's not homegrown. That's like you went somewhere else for most of your early career and then came back. Yeah, yeah. And just just one more thing before we we flip back to Liverpool and you know um yeah, their performance of Chelsea's performances I think have um warranted a little better than where they are. They're fourth in expected goals in the league, um as well as fourth in or sorry, third in expected goals and then fourth in in expected points. Um you know, and it, they just need to cut out the the individual errors. It's a lot of just individual, you know, concentration errors, which I think is not something is not um too uh, unfair for a, a team whose weekly like average age is like twenty four. So you know, um, <laughs> it's something that that they'll get Absolutely. better with in time for sure. I think. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so we'll see what happens with them going forward. I do have high hopes for them going into the rest of the season. Like I said, even though they do have a very difficult fixture coming up, um, or multiple fixtures, I should say. Um, but I do think at some point they're going to pull through, um, Lampard's quality in terms of him being a, not necessarily a stickler, but a a strong minded coach has, has shown. And I hope he doesn't become a scapegoat. Um, you know, if poor results end up stringing themselves together. But like I said, uh, I'm, I'm confident in this team. So yeah, let's see. 
Next up on the uh, on the agenda is a team that I'm not so confident in anymore is uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, they somehow again blew uh, or sorry, not yes. Wait, what was the score this weekend? It was two one, right? Yeah, yeah, they blew. Yeah, they were they were winning this game, uh, winning this game one nil at one point, and. Um, VAR stepped in. They finally got to feel the other side of VAR, basically. Um, yeah, they finally got the other side of VAR. That's 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 somewhat the story of this game. But outside of that, I mean, they are just baffling still. There's still no rhyme or reason to their performances, um, to their results. It's, they're... I, I, I'm starting to wonder, are they, is, would it be crazy for me to think that they might be as much of a mess? Maybe, maybe. No, I, I, would it really be crazy for me to think they're as much of a mess as Man United right now? Like, just, I mean, they're on the same amount of points um, as United. They, they also went to PKs this week um, against a team in the fourth tier of, of English football in the League Cup. Um, as United did today, only difference United won theirs today, whatever. Um, but is it crazy for me to think that Spurs are as much of a mess as United? They're, you know, ninth in expected goals. They're 12th in um, non-penalty expected goals. So basically that same expected, uh, sorry, expected, yeah, same expected goals calculation. But, you know, you take out penalties because penalties are all like 0.76. So so those are massive difference to your right. uh, to your expected goals. Um and then tenth in expected goals allowed, and then on top of that, they have a negative non-penalty expect, uh, expected goal difference. You know, they're they're, they're underlying like chance creation slash um, defending uh, limit limitation of chances it is pretty mid table, and for a team of this talent, it's it makes no sense it has to be something psychological for in my opinion i 100% think it's psychological i don't think there's any other reason behind it because their team is stacked they have a very very quality team and so what i'm thinking is that to answer your question no i don't think they're as much of a mess as united right now especially because That's fair. <laughs> well, yeah right but, but i think especially because <laughs> united pretty much have what like all of their strikers injured at this point so yeah, I don't think it's outside of Greenwood, who, granted, has been good the last couple of games. But Spurs are in a different caliber. Harry Kane's on a different caliber. And so they still have the players that are there to make the impact. And for that reason, I don't think they're nearly as close to as, as much of a mess as United. In terms of form, though, they're exactly what I would expect United to be doing, right? They're blowing games. They're losing games. They're... They're not showing up to certain games, and that's that side I would expect United to be. But yeah, something's wrong at Spurs, um, and the number one man that it falls on again. We had this conversation a couple weeks ago. It's Mauricio Pochettino. Um, I really don't hope this turns and spirals into a situation in which some people and supporters start to think maybe it's his time has come. He's done pretty much all he can because I, I think he's a world-class coach and letting him go would be very, very tough on this team. No, I, here's the thing. It's not, I don't think it's anything that has to do with his necessarily his ability as a manager in terms of the, you know, tactical coaching, whatnot. This team is stale. Dude. I mean, mm-hmm. They had three, they had 
what three guys this season, this summer that would have moved on if they had the chance, if anyone had come for them, basically in Erickson, um, Vertonghen and Alderweireld, right? You have, th- those are three. That's, that's the middle. That's the middle of your team too. That's part of the spine of the team. And, and those are all guys who were vehemently, who, who were public in their, um, in their kind of uh, apathy towards coming back to Spurs again, <laughs> like this season, yeah. and then you have, and then you have all summer the manager um, calling out the board, calling out the owner, pretty you know it, subtly in a veiled in a in a thinly veiled way, really, um, and, and just and, and just seeming upset for for at least half the summer, and um, and then comes in and we're supposed to expect this to just just all blend in within the first few weeks. I mean, it, it's, I think it's going to take time. I still have belief in their talent, but this is going to take, Oh, it, it's, this will be, I think his Pochettino's hardest season. I think this will be his biggest test as a manager because he needs to rein himself in. He needs to rein in these players in terms of um, how they're feeling, in terms of trying to get these guys to mesh together. We've still yet to see Lo Celso get serious minutes on this team. I'm not sure if he's injured or what is going on, but um, he is yet to actually feature into this team. And I don't want to hear any sort of excuses um, because if they wanted to sell Erickson, they should have if they if they wanted Erickson gone. I mean, if they wanted to really push on as a team, then you let Erickson go. Why'd you bring in Lo Celso? What was the point of that? If if he's gonna come in and just sit on the bench um, for for Erickson, and then and then Erickson's pretty much looking like he doesn't want. He looks pretty apathetic out there as well. It's just like there's so much wrong with this team, and especially after. You know, I think we got a little too excited by the fact that Spurs bought anyone, <laughs> but, yeah, um, which made us made it. You know, they bought. Yes, they got players, but it was two players, and then they let players go and didn't replace any of them. So they, it seems like they don't know how the transfer thing works. <laughs> you, you don't just let people go and and just expect everything's gonna. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, we don't need any um, sort of replacement. We'll just play someone from our youth team yeah. <laughs> that that's like that's that's not how this works you know they there's no i, I just a then b solution you know yeah exactly i just don't know what to say about this team anymore and, and whatever they they may still finish top four you know that they, they have the talent they should be the third best team in the league um but i i really do think this is potashino's last season um it's definitely Erickson's last season that I, I see I, I would be stunned. I would be absolutely flabbergasted if he were to sign an extension during this season. There's no reason for him to do that. Um, and, you know, we're going to get to January. If they don't finish, if they don't get this shit together, we're going to get to January and teams are going to start talking to Christian Erickson because he's going to be on a free. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know where we're going to be at that point. Yeah. That's actually a good point that I really think about that come January, Erickson's free to negotiate with whatever teams that he wants. And there's nothing Spurs can do about it. Cause at this point he's leaving on a free, there is no shot 
that <laughs> he's going to stay past this upcoming summer. But I do think that next summer is going to be very interesting for Spurs. But right now, their number one priority going forward, getting through this season. They still have the rest of the season to get through. And they have the quality to, to finish in the third spot that I believe they will finish in. But these psychological lapses can't keep happening. No, agreed. Absolutely agreed. Kane said something very, um, very poignant, very smart. He said it after the Olympiacos game, so, to along the same tune as you. He said, "He said we're not um, we're not young players anymore. Like we're, we're experienced players, we're internationals, and we're making the same mistakes in the manager's sixth season as we did in his first season. That's and that's unacceptable. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good way of looking at it as well. It, it's not." It's not acceptable we keep making, excuse me, the same mistakes over and over again that you have seen fail you before. And so in Kane realizing that, I hope he realizes that he needs to be the change that he wants to see in the world. And I'm going to I'm going to leave you with that thought. <laughs> so, I don't want to like be I can't blame him no, at all no, for any of this. And after giving you know a lot of applause for for the goal he scored over the weekend, where he's basically falling, where he's literally on the ground and scores. Yeah, that <laughs> like, was, you know, that's, my that was, my dad was actually the one that told me about that goal because he he came to the city this weekend to to see me with my mom, and he goes, "Did you see Harry Kane's goal?" And I was like, "No, it was it any good." He was like, "He was on the ground and he scored." And I was like, "All right, I'll take a look at it." And it was it was very impressive. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's not his fault right now, but everything else that there's just in the same sense. Why I kind of um, compare him to United is that the the disjointedness, that the the fact that like they should know their plan. They should they've been with the same manager for years now. They should know how to play these games, but they just seem totally out of sorts. And and who knows if. I mean, Sun. If, if Sun's armpit is onside by another two centimeters, you know they they go up two 0 in that game, and may, and we're not talking about this most likely. Right. But it's it's a mentality of of not being able to take control of that game, you know. Um, so sounds like uh, another it, team that we talked about earlier in the pod. <laughs> yes, yes, it does <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, Tottenham, figure your stuff out because this is not the team that anyone in England currently expects you to be, or anyone in Europe for that matter. But there is one other team in another part of England that absolutely had something to answer for after last weekend. And um yeah, I I, I think they I think they answered the critics. <laughs> I think I think they did just fine. <laughs> I mean uh what? <laughs> did 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 I miss something? Did Watford was it like the Academy Day for Watford this week? Like, because this is the same exact team that made Arsenal look like a championship team for forty five minutes last week, and, <laughs> and and after twenty minutes they're down five nil. Like it. it <laughs> It was. It was I, truly. I, and I, uh, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't. I don't know what to say anymore about City. You know, we. we it, it was an elite response to last weekend's disappointing loss at Norwich. Um, to come from that game and score, go to go to um, go to Shakhtar, to go to to go to Ukraine and, and win three 0 during the week in Champions League, and then follow it up with eight 0 
you know, eleven nil in two games after after um after basically people were in, people including us right were were feeling very nervous about their defense and and just how they might overcome the Laporte injury. Well, one way to do that is to score eleven goals in two games. You're usually going to win <laughs> if you do that. Um, I I don't know. I, I don't know. City had four players in this game who scored a perfect ten rating on a, on who scored rating system, which is quite hard to do. <laughs> yeah, alone. Like forget like just the eight goals. Like in general, player by player, it's difficult to do that. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I I don't know what to say anymore. The, the teams, they're I mean, they're magnificent. We know that. Um, you know, they they. I, I don't. I've got nothing. I've got nothing else to say really about this game in particular. You know, it, it's also embarrassing for Watford to lose eight 0 Like no one should ever. You no, know, if you're in the same league, you should never lose by eight goals to anyone. That's at that point. That's uh, they really just kind of stop playing after the first three goals, more or less. <laughs> yep, pretty, yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah. Um. But no, it takes me to this overarching question um that'll be one of the last things we get to in this episode um is there any substantial argument against manchester city and liverpool being the two best teams in europe right now is there is there a team can you make an argument for literally any team right now to be in the top two in europe outside of those two um with what city did here responding to a disappointment and then liverpool playing you know you not well and, and winning away to uh, a, a top six, top four, top six, top four rival. Um, and just being able to handle that game and be able to manage that game and not, and not, uh, and not concede the second goal. Objectively, probably not. Subjectively, I'd say still probably not with the only exception being messy, right? Like messy makes any team, like just incredibly good regardless of whatever team he's on whether it's Argentina or Barcelona or whatever you know he makes them look really good and so yeah from a general team perspective they're for sure the best two teams in Europe and I don't think there's much argument about that um the only argument that I could maybe legitimately make is that Messi's still around um but he's not even playing right now and you see what happens when when he doesn't uh, so but, but the thing is even if Messi's in in uh, do you, I mean what are what are your prospects midfield wise your midfield uh, Barcelona's midfield up against we saw what Barcelona's midfield look like up against Liverpool right and yeah, and, yes yes and, and and then Barcelona's midfield up against cities like that's as as I said a few weeks ago I think the what separates city from Liverpool which is why I and I think they'll end up just winning the league um is their midfield can destroy you in so many ways. They're so versatile in midfield. They're not just one or the other. Um, so, you know, I, I and, and then, def- I mean, defensively, defensively, I guess, between those, that three of City, Liverpool, and um, Barcelona, I'd have to say Liverpool is probably the best out of the three. And then Liverpool is a little, it, it, or sorry, City's um, obviously not super convincing right now. And, um, and Barcelona is, 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 Fairly decent is probably just better than cities, but I still think the I still think the attack and midfield of City would be better than than Barcelona's, and I think just Liverpool as a whole in terms of how in sync they are with each other and knowing exactly what to do and 
having that dynamic of their three up front, you know, that you'd have to say City and Liverpool's attack is definitely just on paper it makes more sense. And when you watch them play, looks like they make more sense than uh than anyone else in Europe. Yeah. No, I don't I don't disagree. The only one thing I would say is that Barcelona's midfield is very different from uh, last year, uh, Rakitic doesn't exist to Valverde. I think Rakitic has lost Valverde's nudes somewhere because he was just playing every game and holding that over his head, apparently. Um, but no, I, I agree. Um, Manchester City by far have just the most incredibly gifted attack-minding team in football right now. And I think Liverpool's front three kind of compensate a little bit for their midfield um, lacking quality. That isn't to say that they lack quality, but com- Comparatively, um, I think Manchester City is certainly better. And so, yeah, it, you know what? I, I do have to say that they are the two best teams in Europe for sure. Um, and there are, uh, you know, teams like Juve, Barcelona, Atletico, whatever you want to throw in there that fall into that sort of second tier category right now. Um, but yeah, those two have to take the reign for me. Yeah, for sure. And so um, that'll just wrap up for the Premier League stuff. Just give an update on the table you have liverpool sitting first with 18 points uh city's second third with 13 leicester still holding in the top four um you know that massive win against uh against uh spurs put them into third place with 11 tying them with arsenal who also had 11 um spurs united and chelsea all sitting with eight points after six games uh spurs in seventh united in eighth and chelsea in 11th um Jen, for coming up this week, we have Chelsea go at home to Brighton. Um, Liverpool goes away to Sheffield. Uh, Spurs host Southampton at home. And City goes away to Everton. And if you're wondering why we have not gotten talked about um, Arsenal's thrilling comeback against uh, against Aston Villa with 10 men, um, and and uh, we have not mentioned the debacle of United looking just absolutely helpless against uh, West Ham um, in one of the probably the most boring games of the season so far, even though it had two goals in it. Um, if you're wondering why we have not, <laughs> if you're wondering why we have not touched in those games, we will be doing a preview of the United and Arsenal game, which will be on Monday. We'll be doing a preview of it on Sunday, so we'll be we'll be wrapping up um, all that has happened with those two teams in the last week um, and previewing that game uh, on a special Sunday episode. Yes, we will be. So obviously stay tuned for that. And like we always say at the end of every pod, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, whatever platform works for you, just to make sure that you're getting the most up-to-date content as frequently as possible. As always, feel free to sign up for our mailbag by emailing theoverlappod at gmail.com, and we will certainly add you to the list. We'll be sending out about weekly emails um on podcast reminders so is there anything else i'm missing around um no once again if you have friends who love la liga and premier league and obviously the champions league as well as much as we do feel free to share with your friends amazing amazing so with that we're gonna leave it here look out for the pod coming out sunday night about the monday evening games for the Premier League. But with that, we'll leave it there for now. This is Elias signing off. Thanks, guys.